Brian, you might hear just a little bit of an air of excitement in Matt's voice today because he's been saying to me, you know, you're one of his favourite worship leaders, artists, and he has just respected your work for such a long time. So he's very excited, as I am, to (laughs) chat with you this afternoon. But I'm curious to know, as a songwriter and a worship leader, you know, many of your songs have proved consistently popular for, for over a decade now. How do song ideas come to you? Do you just sit down and write do you work together with other people do you do you research you know certain components to to gather a song or or look to the bible Uh, how do your song ideas come to you well they they in some ways they all come in different ways because each song is unique but maybe one way i would say it is you know I, i i just live you know i i do what i do whether it's you know bringing my kids to school or serving at my local church or reading scripture or reading a book or watching a film and and one moment there's nothing and then the next moment there's this little aha moment this i call it the seed gets planted or i i realize oh i want to i i need a song that says you know fill in the blank and and i'll do a real quick a mental Rolodex, after I get that aha moment, has somebody else written a song on that thing that's in my mother tongue? And by mother tongue, I don't just mean, you know, the English language. I also mean in a style of music that I could sing as my own. And if I can think of a song that somebody else has written that, that matches that aha moment, then I go, oh, I need to use, you know, that Tim Hughes song or that, you know, whoever song. And if I can't think of a song, then that's my songwriting assignment. And then I go to work. And, you know, as I, as I teach young songwriters, you, know, you start with that seed or that aha moment, and then you go draft zero, your first, you know, creative output. And then you do draft one, draft two, draft three, and you go through multiple drafts until you feel like it's done. Um, but it always starts with that aha moment. And sometimes the aha moment is a little lyrical phrase. Sometimes it's a melodic idea. I'd love to know a bit of your story uh, of when you started worship leading. As I mentioned, some of your songs have been sung in churches all around the world, and there must have been a moment when doors started opening for you everywhere. Uh, What was it like for you when you first started worship leading, and and when did that moment happen? Well... You know, I guess it it happened gradually, but and and I'm a I'm a shy, introverted person by nature, but I'm a creative person by nature, 
and um, you know, it 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 started. I'll I'll tell you this in in, in a twofold way. One was I was in a a little home Bible study as part of a vineyard church, the first vineyard church planted in Canada, the Langley Vineyard, and and the home Bible study was a guy named Andy Park, and um, at the end of one night, the end of the study, he looks over at me and he says, Brian. And and I was just a young, I was the bass player on the worship team. I wasn't really the worship leader. I wasn't, nobody knew me as a songwriter. And he looked over at me and he said, I think you have a song that you've been working on that would be, that would really wrap up this evening. He had this impression. And, and, and what he didn't know was that I, I did have a secret song that I'd written out of a moment with our first baby daughter, Rachel, called Father, I Want You to Hold Me. And it was my secret song to God. And he called it out of me months after I had written it. And I shared it with 10 people. Okay? So I shared it. It touched people. They cried. They loved it. A couple of months later, I'm playing bass at a conference in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And John Wimber is there speaking. And there's 5,000 people in the audience. And somebody gets up and they do a teaching on the father wound in culture and the pain of a fatherless generation. They end the session and they call Andy to the stage. And, uh, you know, Andy looks over at me and he says, points at me and he says, you go and play that Father, I Want You to Hold Me song. Go grab my guitar and play it. So I walk up on the stage, knees knocking, <laughs> and uh, the, the, the big shots, you know, the Wimbers and all the leaders are looking at me. Why is that kid getting up on the stage when we called for Andy Park? <laughs> and uh, I just shyly and very fragilely, you know, start singing this song, Father, I Want You to Hold Me. And uh, people just start weeping all over the auditorium. And John Wimber walks up to me and he goes, my father was an alcoholic, and he left when I was four. I've been waiting to hear a song like that. Could we publish it? Oh, wow. wow. And, I, and I said, what's publish? <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, do you have any other songs? And I said, I have written one other song. It's called Faithful One. And he said, well, we'll publish that one, too. And he hadn't even heard it. Wow. Oh, that and is that, awesome. That's how I started <laughs> Well, we all know that uh, Vineyard Music has uh, touched people from all over the world. And uh, just a personal story as well, my wife wanted me to uh, just mention to you that when she uh, she was raised in a conservative church and then fell away from the Lord, and when she came back to the Lord at a, at a Vineyard Church in Brisbane, uh, she was given us a, a cassette tape of The Father's House, one of, one of your albums about the prodigal son, and she said that she listened to it a million times and it helped her understand the Father's heart and about coming back to God. Um, for those who haven't heard that project, it's absolutely amazing. Tell us a bit about your heart behind the Father's House project. Well, I think, um, you know, something about the father heart and the orphan and the father wound in culture has always touched me, and it wasn't because I had a bad father or an absent father. I had a great father. He was a teacher. He was present in my life. But but early on when I was a teenager, I became like a big brother to a, a, young, a young boy who had physical struggles. He had cerebral palsy, but he was, he was one of these classic um, fatherless boys. And, 
and I agreed to kind of be his big brother, and I would I would have him in our home for weekends, and I would get to know his story, and I would watch, and I would enter his home, and I would see glimpses of of violence and and of neglect, and it just broke my heart. So I think my relationship with him uh, started some of that, and then I just had this seed idea, you know, why don't we do a, a, a whole project themed around God's heart as father and the pain of the fatherless, and that was Father's House. And yeah, I, 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 it just was something that was kind of those one of those aha moments for me, except the aha moment wasn't just write one song but it was write a whole series of songs but it was definitely also coming out of my relationship with this young young boy who i walked through um 35 years of friendship uh with and he just suddenly passed away a few months ago of a brain aneurysm at 38 it's it's just been heartbreaking to watch now his widow and his son and uh you know so yeah, so but it, but it was an incredible joy to watch the progress with him, and uh, that's that's where that comes from. Mm, what a beautiful joy it, it must have been for you to get alongside uh, that younger guy and be a friend, do life with him, uh, mentor him. You know, I think sometimes that's what it's all about. That's what being in brotherly love and, and and Christian affection really is all about. And aside from being a fantastic songwriter and a worship leader, you too are also a dad. And I understand that you have some, some kids who you love who also struggle with disability. Tell us about your kids. Well, yeah, Joyce and I have been married over 30 years now, over 31, and uh, we have six children ranging from 16 to 27 uh, four daughters and two sons, and, and our two sons have a condition called Fragile X Syndrome. They have almost no speech. Our youngest son has three words, no, and me, and mama, mm-hmm. and uh, I always say he gets everything he needs with those three words, <laughs> uh, and I try and teach him you know, to make the sound da, like can he <laughs> say dada, but no, he can't get there, so... <laughs> Um, but he, he's affectionate, um, he's an incredible gift, um, but he's also incredibly um, needy, and he needs support and care full-time, and we have some amazing people that rally around us and help us. Our, our girls are just amazing. They've got such big hearts because they've, they've grown up with um, siblings with these kinds of special needs, and... In fact, our second daughter, Esther, I'm so proud of her. She, you know, she's chosen as a career work path of working in the school district with those with special needs. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's an incredible joy to be all together with them. And, and then there's times where the weight of the future presses in on us. Joyce and I are very much in love and want to be together and want to do things together and, we don't have sometimes that flexibility always, and the you know, and caring for them, they'll require care for the rest of their life. So that's slowed down my travel. I would love to come to Australia one day. And, yeah, you're welcome. And love to come, you know, <laughs> love to co- visit other parts of the world, and I get to do that a little bit every year, but I can't travel as much because I can't. It's just too difficult on my wife to um, manage all of that. 
without me here. So we have to really pace ourselves and be careful with that. Well, I've heard you share on uh, your DVD called Today uh, about your your son and share about the father's heart for your son. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture that, that you paint of uh, caring for your son and for all your children. And uh, it's, it, thanks for sharing that with us. I'd also like to just ask you, uh, you know, we, we chatted to Bishop Sandy Miller from Holy Trinity Brompton recently. Uh, he and Nicky Gumbel uh, launched the Alpha Course, which has impacted the world. And Bishop Sandy Miller from, the, uh, from this Anglican church in the UK said, John Wimber was the most influential Christian in the last century uh, in England. And uh, I couldn't agree more. He, you know, his teachings have impacted my life. And, uh, you know, the, the music that's come out of the Vineyard Movement has impacted the world. Um, tell us about your uh, mateship with John Wimber. Uh, for those who don't know, he passed away many years ago from cancer. He really had an incredible ministry across all the denominations. Tell us, what, what was he like? Well, talking about John is both wonderful and, and almost heartbreaking for me because I miss him. I miss his presence, his, his, his influence directly. Um, you know, I, I grew up conservative Mennonite, um, with, and I was leaning into and hungering for God, but I found much of um, the people that were into more, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, Holy Spirit or renewal or Pentecostal, I found them, I just couldn't make the connection. It just felt like you had to throw out uh, too much of your brain and too much of these other things in order to make that connection. And along came John, loving the whole church, um, loving scholarship, loving intellectual depth, and yet saying, yet in the middle of that, we need God's Spirit and we need the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. And he just was so natural. He didn't hype things. He he was just this laid-back Californian who, who loved God and loved people and wanted to see the kingdom come to the broken. And, and I remember the first time just sitting in a meeting and, 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 and him walking up and him starting to speak and just sensing such love in the room. Such, and I remember just looking around the room going, I, 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 just tears welling up in my eyes, you know, and... And then, and then a few years after that, I was just like pinching myself, like, you know, the moment I, I told you before, in the aftermath of him hearing my song, Father, I Want You to Hold Me, and, and it touching him, I was able to be a part of conference teams and travel with John and go to other parts of the world and watch God touch people and be a part of the music. And I, oh, man, it's it's been almost 20 years since he's gone, and... Um, you know, when I hear those words from Sandy Miller, and I, and I lived in England, and I watched how his, it wasn't just his message, but it was his, his method. It was the way he did things. I so surprised people and, and so earthed it that I can see that people saying that, you know. Um, he, he just had this huge impact on the Anglican Church in, in England. And, of course, I've got very good friends over in England who then, you know, became involved with the vineyard planting churches. And, 
yeah, people like John come along very, very rarely, and um, I still deeply miss him. It's incredible to hear about your friendship with John, and, and to me it's a great reminder of just how much joy God can bring into our life when he finds a way to bring people into our life like John who have such an impact, who are being utilized by God in so many different ways. And it's it's almost like a gift, isn't it? It's that gift of friendship and brotherhood, and it truly is special. And I guess that comfort that we have is knowing that uh, people, we will see them again, that it's, it's not the end, and that because of what Christ has done, uh, we can all be assured that we will be together again. Brian, I'm curious to know uh, where things are at now for you. Have you got new projects that you're working on currently? Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. I'm, I'm a creative person, and I'm, I'm, I'm part of a band called the Sheer Poets, and we are taking the ancient psalms, and we are rendering them in new folk rock settings. So we've done, we've got two recordings out, Songs for the Journey, Volume 1 and Volume 2, and each recording contains 10 psalms. So Volume 1 is 1 to 10, and Volume 2 is 11 to 20. And we, 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 we sing the psalms in sequence, and we, and we don't censor out the hard bits. So we keep in the sad bits and the angry bits and the confusing bits. Because as humans going through a, a, a journey... In, through a pa- in a painful, broken world, we identify with those things. Um, so that's been, a, that's been a big part of my last four or five years. Um, I'm writing again some fresh, you know, congregational worship songs. I have a new song called My King Has Got Scars on His Hands, which I've been sharing at some conferences and places and getting a very, very positive response from. And so we're just working on arranging to record that and um and i'm teaching i'm I'm very passionate about the next generation of songwriters and worship leaders so i'm teaching at a college in canada uh training up the you know songwriters songwriting worship leaders recording artists and we're we're just preparing for the first batch of 10 recordings to come out of that program and uh it's been incredibly rewarding to watch the growth after two years of input of young songwriters. So, yeah, I'm, I'm busy teaching and mentoring, and I'm busy still doing it. So, you know, between that and family life, it keeps me pretty busy. Well, it's been wonderful to catch up with you today. Uh, you, are, you are one of my favourite ever songwriters and worship leaders, and, uh, you know, we've uh, sang so many of your songs over the years, and it's uh, been an honour to catch up with you today. Uh, Brian Dirksen, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. 
Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor, 